One of my favorite subjects in the world is symbiosis, living things working together in a mutually beneficial way. In a selfish world, it's easy to forget that we can not only survive, but thrive and lift other people up at the same time. And that's exciting. That's community. That's God's plan. But it can also be observed between a tree and an ant, a fish and a bacterium, and hundreds of other places. We're going to find out more on Wonders Without Number. You know, a careful study of insects and plants and creatures of all kinds reveals that many of them depend on each other for survival. In some cases, one would be in big trouble without the other. So does it make sense that over millions of years, creatures with symbiotic relationships just happen to evolve at the very same time? Or does it make a lot more sense that both were formed at the same time, designed by God to work together? To answer that question and many more, we have with us Dr. Joe Martin, who formerly believed in the, some of the theories of evolution, but a thorough study brought him to different conclusions. Now, Dr. Martin was a biology major at Bucknell University and a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh Dental School. Now, he had a career in the Air Force where he was a dentist for the presidential flight crews of Air Force One, and afterwards he established a private dental practice at NASA in Houston, Texas. Now, while he was a professor at Baylor College of Dentistry, Dr. Martin became a young earth creationist and after receiving his master's in theology, he went into full-time ministry with his wife and two daughters. Their ministry, Biblical Discipleship Ministries, focuses primarily on family discipleship, creation, and biblical discernment. So join with me now as we meet my friend and very special guest, Dr. Joe Martin. Welcome to the program. Thank you, David. <clears throat> it's good to be back with you. It is great to have you here. Listen, could you just share a little bit of your initial story, how you got to this point? Well, actually, when I got out of dental school, I was agnostic. Maybe there's a God, maybe not. Yeah. I was looking into Zen Buddhism. This is back in the 60s. I'm the hippie generation. <laughs> and I was an evolutionist. And then, um, ultimately, I came to know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. That was an answered prayer. Yes, I, I was sitting in the officers club in basic training, Air Force, Wichita Falls, Shepherd Air Force Base. And I was, uh, I decided to say a prayer to the God of the Bible. I just said, okay, God, if you're up there, I'm agnostic. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Even though I was raised in the church. Okay. okay. And uh, I said, if you're up there, you can either show me the girl I'm going to marry, or you're going to see the wildest Air Force officer you've ever seen. <laughs> And I thought, <laughs> nobody heard that prayer. I'm going out and live it up. Uh -huh. That's the day I met my wife. Wow. Next day, I told her I was going to marry her. Oh. By the way, young men, not a good idea. Okay, <laughs> get to know them a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so I decided to think maybe God does exist. Mm -hmm. So I got to Washington, D.C., went to church, came out of church. The pastor shook my hand and said, uh, Captain, is there anything I could do that might help you spiritually? I yeah. said, anything you could do would help me spiritually. <laughs> I'm zero. Yeah. So he just asked me to read the Bible. So we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and we were in John chapter 3. By, by now I knew who Jesus was according to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it said there in John chapter 3, verse 16. Most people know that verse, all right? I probably heard it a million times. It never meant a thing. But it said, for God so loved the world. Well, I was part of the world, was committed to the world, loved the things of the world. Yeah. It was like God was just saying to me, hey, Job, I love you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. His name is Jesus, mm -hmm. that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting, everlasting life. life. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior. By the way, I did not become a creationist right away. Okay. I became a theistic evolutionist. Now I believed, once I was a Christian, 
God used evolution and billions of years to get us here. Okay. I didn't know there's any other way to think wow. at that point. Yeah. All right. So it wasn't until I became a professor at Baylor Dental School. This is like I became a Christian in 1967, and I was, I was 27. And then in 1971, I gave my first lecture at the dental school on the evolution of teeth from fish scales. Really? Uh, and I, <laughs> can't, I can't believe I can. I think back on that. How did you believe that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's no relationship between scales and teeth, whether you look at it embryologically, physiologically, morphologically, histologically, <laughs> functionally. There's zero. But that's what I was taught. Okay. So two, two of my students challenged me after class nicely. Mm -hmm. Would I be willing to study creation science with them? And um, they said they believed in a young universe about 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. They believed a flood covered the whole earth mm -hmm. about 4,400 years ago. Well, I didn't even have to pray about it. I said, of course, I'd love to study that with you. Now, what am I thinking? Mm, <laughs> these guys are back in the Stone Age. Right. I mean, the scientists have proven the billions of years. There mm -hmm. never could have been a flood covered this whole earth. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Five years later, by God's grace, studying His Word, studying the assumptions behind evolution, mm -hmm. which are learning how to read the literature. That's when they true. say, we think, perhaps, maybe, we believe, we posit, there's consensus. This suggests, that means they don't know. Right. <clears throat> so when I saw it, I, the dental students taught me to look for that. Okay. I'm okay. the professor. They're teaching me how to read the <laughs> literature. <laughs> I'm glad they did. Uh -huh. But I began to realize, you know what? When we're talking Big Bang billions of years, they don't really know anything. So you're saying that you can <clears throat> read something. You can read a science textbook. You can read an article in a magazine but you don't actually understand it. You're not actually logically looking for those clues as to what that text is actually saying. Exactly, exactly. And when your eyes are open, when you know what to look for, all of a sudden you realize that these people are making all of these assumptions and they're stating them, they're trying to state them as fact, mm -hmm. but if they're honest, they have to admit there's no evidence whatsoever. Well, yes, and I mean, and when you see those words, like, this probably is, whoa, <laughs> they don't know that, right. okay? And it just clicks this all the way down. So I, f I finally realized their assumptions are not valid. Okay. Join, and then they asked, the students asked me to study some animals. That's how I got into studying animals. The first oh, wow. one was the bombardier beetle, uh -huh. and then the giraffe, uh -huh. and I began to realize, I mean, these living things need all their parts. Yes. You can't have a partially evolved anything. It doesn't work if it isn't all there. Which points to a grand designer, not aliens, but the God of the Bible, because he actually gives us a, a historical account of how he created it, didn't he? He sure did, he told us. He didn't tell us exhaustively, but he told us what he did, the order in which he did it. <clears throat> he told us he did it on normal days. That's right. And. Uh, so yeah, we can just believe what he says. So let's take it one step further. Not just are animals amazing with all of these design features, but the way animals and plants and everything works together. And that's what we want to talk about today. Symbiosis, <laughs> mutualism, things like that. Well, yes. We're going to look at some phenomenal mutualistic and symbiotic relationships, and we'll describe that here in just a minute, between creatures, insects, plants, um, different life forms depend on each other to stay alive, to, for their food and, and just to stay alive. So they had to be created at the same time or they would have died. So evolution doesn't have a valid explanation for this whole idea of symbiosis. Okay. And so there's different 
definitions of different parts of it. And the ones we normally hear about mm -hmm. are mutualism, okay. that both species benefit from the relationship. Okay. Or parasitism, where one species benefits and the other doesn't. Uh -huh. Like, let's say, a tapeworm right. in me. Right. I mean, it, it benefits. Yes. It gets full. <laughs> but but you're going to have some discomfort there. <laughs> I, get, I get sick. Okay. Yeah. And then some with neutralism. In other words, they live, they, they help, but they're not affected. Okay. Okay. Yeah, those are the ones we hear about the most. Yes. A symbiosis, then, is basically two dissimilar organisms that are living with each other in a way that usually helps. Okay. One or both, usually. Let's think about this. Uh, how do these symbiotic, mutualistic relationships um, develop uh, if evolution is true? So I think they provide good evidence against evolution. Okay. Because you have to have all the parts, or one or the other, they're all dead. That's true. Yeah, they, they need each other to survive. And many creatures, organisms, they have such highly specific needs outside of themselves that it requires this other organism to keep them alive. And so a mindless random chance process, how's that going to explain that? It, it just doesn't. Evolution over long periods of time don't work unless you can somehow co-evolve everything together simultaneously, but that's actually pointing back to creation where everything was created in one moment together to work together. That is true. And as a matter of fact, if it wasn't done that way, how could it happen? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just couldn't happen. Isaiah 42, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which comes out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit unto them that walk therein, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Mm. Hi, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. Like what you're seeing? You can find so much more on the Creation Superstore. You'll find over a thousand books, DVDs, and other quality resources on origin science, creation, and Bible history. Whether you're looking for nature documentaries, educational books, homeschool resources, or children's videos, we've got it all, so be sure to head over and check it out. Use this special promo code to receive 10% off your first order. <clears throat> okay, let's look at something here. Let's look at a coral reef. Okay. All right, because it's very special. Yeah. And uh, evolution says these single-celled life forms came first. Like some of them say it was blue-green algae okay. came first. All right. Uh -huh. We have a parrotfish, algae, and coral. And they're mutually beneficial, and they're, it's, it's called obligatory mutualism. They are obliged mutually to each other. They need each other. That creates a problem. Unhindered algae... And they're necessary for this whole system. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the coral, the algae, and the parrotfish. We're going to get to that, okay? okay? But the algae can suffocate the coral because it grows really fast. Okay. Well, then what are we going to do? We can't have that happen. So you if, have to balance out the algae to coral. Yes, yes. And the algae and the coral, uh, if they weren't created at the same time, the algae wouldn't have anywhere to live because it lives with the coral, okay. these certain kinds of algae. And the coral couldn't survive without the nutrients from the algae. So the algae provides food for the coral by being <laughs> there through its photosynthesis. Okay. 
It's an incredibly intricate relationship which the coral feeds the algae and tries to control their diet, and it does. The, the coral tries to control the diet of the algae. Okay. And the algae, in turn, use sunlight to produce the junk food, carbohydrates, and fats for the corals. And the corals need that. That's exactly what they need. Wow. Yeah. So we might uh, say an amazingly designed relationship. Random chance could never explain it. Inside each of the coral polyps lives these one-celled algae, zooxanthellae, <laughs> or eat. Each of these little organisms gives off the oxygen and the nutrients that the coral need to survive. So the algae feeds the coral, and the coral gives the algae a place to live, and okay. it does some things too. Uh, the coral gives the carbon dioxide that the algae needs because it's, it's more a plant For type. the photosynthesis, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and so the photosynthesis takes place. And then uh, <clears throat> the photosynthesis produces the sugars and the amino acids that the coral needs to eat. <laughs> and without each other, they'd, they'd starve to death. It's complex balance. Yeah, exactly. They had to be made at the same time. If okay. the coral didn't live in sun-filled, shallow waters, the algae couldn't live there. So the coral has to be in a certain place to get a certain amount of sunshine. Uh-huh. Otherwise, the algae isn't going to make it. And uh, if evolution is true, how did all that just happen at the right time? That's a great question. Because they would have died, and dead things don't evolve into more complex systems. <laughs> <laughs> now, another byproduct, a symbiotic relationship with these little algae Single is cell. color. Okay. They per co coral is like clear. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so, where's the color come from? Well, right, because you see these pictures and the coral looks so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But that isn't the coral. That's the algae living in the coral. Really? But certain types of algae like certain types of coral. And so you can almost tell the coral by the color and the shape, because <clears throat> there's all kinds of different shapes. Okay. But when you buy a piece of coral at a shop, yes. it's white. That's true. That's because the algae, it's no longer living. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And from what the uh, coral is made up of when it, when it dies and it, it gets hard. And <clears throat> so this shows the little bit of algae inside coral. Okay. And there's not enough there to color, color up the whole polyp. Right. And so it's just down there. The coral can control the oxygen levels that it gets because the algae can, if there's too much of it, produce too much algae, I mean too much oxygen. Okay. Well, that's gonna kill the polyp oh, of the yes. coral. Right. So the coral, every now and then, will expel, it'll throw out some of the algae <laughs> to get the oxygen down. To the correct level. To the, isn't that amazing? It is. How, how does the coral know that before <laughs> it dies? Right. Yeah, God had to do that. He built that into the, to the coral. Okay. And then uh, when too much algae is expelled, well, then we get a thing called bleaching. And there's not enough oxygen, and okay. it dies. So the coral has to control the amount of oxygen by controlling the amount of algae that it permits to live in it. Wow. You're thinking, this is unbelievable. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm supposed to believe that's just accidental. Yeah. It's amazing that people can actually look at these things and study them. I guess a lot of people don't even understand this, uh, unless you're a marine biologist and you've studied this your entire life. Mm -hmm. You just look at it and you say, that's pretty. But there's so much more going on. 
And this is just what we know, isn't it? Yeah. The more we learn, the more technology advances, the more science we do, the more we study God's creation, the more we see that it's so much more deep than we could have ever understood just a few years ago. Oh, it, it brings you in awe before the Creator, the Lord Jesus. You want to say, Lord Jesus, this is amazing. Look what you've done here. So now we have another problem here. If by chance the algae and the coral were able to survive the process of evolution, and they found each other before starving, because they'd have to find each other. True. In a vast ancient sea, well then these little single-celled organisms in this coral, they would have to find each other. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. But then the if there wasn't something else here, uh -huh. the algae would almost, in about three weeks' time, it would kill the coral, because it would just suffocate it. Oh. It would just cover it. They multiply too quickly. Mm -hmm. They sure do. So, our Lord made another thing. <laughs> so we see all of this between the algae and the coral, but there still would be a problem if God had not created all of this to work together. What's the other thing? Well, the other things are parrotfish. Okay. And okay. the parrotfish live primarily in the coral reefs, where the water is shallow. Huh. And their main diet is the algae that lives on the coral. So oh. they help control the amount of algae to keep it from killing the coral. And so they will eat it. But when they eat it, they also bite off some of the coral. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> that brings some very interesting things, but unchecked algae growth is not only detrimental for corals and seagrasses, it can spell doom for many other ocean species. Decomposition of algae consumes much of the dissolved oxygen in the water column that the marine plants, the animals need to survive. Yeah. So you have to control the algae. And the parrotfish really helps do that. That's amazing. And they have uh, special teeth. Uh, they have teeth in the front of their jaw that they can bite it, bite it off. Okay. But then they have big teeth in the back of their jaw, almost by the neck, yeah. that can grind up, if they bite off some of the coral, that it'll grind it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, as a matter of fact, it makes sand. So they help to make the sand that we find on the beaches. Really? Yes. Uh, they excrete sand after they chew everything up. Yes. Yeah. So if evolution is true, how did these fish, the parrotfish, realize they could eat the hard coral and not die? And then how did they figure out they needed to have a second set of teeth in the back of their mouth in order to crunch it up? The first time they did, they are evolving and they don't have that second set of teeth, well, then they choke on these big pieces of coral. They sure would. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. So even the waste of the parrotfish is extremely useful in the ocean because it, it partially comprises the beaches because they excrete sand. And then it helps begin more coral reefs, the, the basis, the foundation for coral reefs. Okay. And that's going to be important too uh, because the uh, parrotfish <clears throat> release their eggs into the ocean current. Yeah. And it goes in among the coral. And that's where the baby parrotfish are born. Are born. So the coral provides a home for the baby parrotfish. Hmm. So the parrotfish doesn't want to eat all the coral. Right. Or he doesn't have any place for their babies to go. And it's actually safe, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. they're nestled among that coral and a lot of predators wouldn't be able to get to them. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so that is another part of this whole thing that's really important. Yes. So we have the algae have to have a home. Mm -hmm. That's the coral. And the algae, the, uh, the coral and the algae and the parrotfish, they all need each other. Right, because there would be too much algae 
for the coral to survive without the parrotfish. Yep, yep. Okay. And the algae has to have the coral because it provides food for the algae. Okay. And the algae provides food for the coral, so they need each other that way. <laughs> and both of them provide food for the parrotfish. Wow, that's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. So the parrotfish basically keeps it trimmed up so that the, the algae doesn't get out of control. Okay. So the coral supplies the nursery for the parrotfish's young, <laughs> which is kind of a neat thing. Yes, Psalm is. 145, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I mean, you just look at the creation. Yeah. What can we do except bless God? Absolutely. Oh, anyway, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It is. I mean, you've studied the stars mm -hmm. and you think about that. Yeah, it is unsearchable. I, we, can, we can attempt to explore so much, but then we get to that, we get to that point where it's like, what's beyond? We don't know. There's no way of knowing. Well, even the Grand Canyon, all the things you've done in the Grand Canyon, you look at that and say, how could this be some kind of a billions of years accident? Right. Right. And really, the more you study, the, the clearer it becomes that when the Bible talks about a flood, well, there's all of this abundance of evidence all around that there was vast amounts of sediment pushed around, rapidly laid down, one layer after the other, perfectly flat, which points to a big flood, not millions of years of just dirt forming. Yeah, I mean, it's so obvious. It's yeah. just obvious everywhere. Isaiah 45 says, For thus saith the Lord who created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I love that verse. Me too. By the way, he formed it to be inhabited. Yes. He doesn't he, say he formed anything else. No, he created the heavens which declare his glory, yeah. but he formed the earth for inhabitation. Amen. And that's where we live. That's right. And we have the right amount of sun, the right amount of air, the right amount of water, the food chain. And everything working together. Mm -hmm. And all of those things, I don't think they're accident. Not, not only do we have the perfect environment to live, we have liquid water, we have a terrestrial planet, we have a magnetic field that protects us from solar radiation. We have all of these components. And yet that's not what makes Earth so special, is it? There's, there's one other thing. That's when God sent His only begotten Son. Which He did. Yeah. And He had to. Everything, literally everything is pointing back to Him. It really does. And, and without Him, what, where, I mean, nothing. There would be nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Life doesn't mean anything. Exactly. But He gives us meaning and he is an awesome savior. Listen, Dr. Martin, thank you so much for being here and sharing some of these things. And uh, we're out of time. We're gonna have to have you back on a future episode. We, I love this DVD. It's called God's Environmental Cleanup Systems, where we look and you explain so well how even fungi and things that you wouldn't think of are there for a purpose, to clean up the environment, to keep things regulated and orderly. We serve an awesome God. Again, we're out of time, but I'll have to have you back on a future program. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, David. Yes, sir.
You know, I don't think there's any doubt. What we find in nature is amazing. The symbiotic relationships, the design, the functionality, and our life is dependent on things in nature remaining relatively stable. But nature by itself is nothing. I mean, we shouldn't look to the stars for answers and we shouldn't worship the plants and the animals around us. We should give all the glory to the one who made everything. Not only is that the God of the Bible that we read about in Genesis, but according to the New Testament, it was Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Savior of mankind. We're told that all things were made by Him. He's waiting for you and He wants to make you a part of His family today. Won't you invite Him in? I'm David Reeves, and until our next time on Wonders Without Number, keep looking up because truly the heavens declare the glory of God.